Welcome to the Fundraising Freedom Podcast with Mary Valoni. I'm your host, Mary Valoni, and this is the place where fundraisers come to be encouraged, empowered, and educated on how to raise more funds and have more freedom. Hey, welcome to another episode here. We are talking about how to build a new relationship with money today. And the last couple episodes that we've had have been really practical in my messaging, and I want to make sure that you guys have all the information that you need to be successful as you wrap up the year end. But today I wanted to take a little bit of a different turn on our conversation and talk specifically about money itself. Now, for those of you who have read my book, Fundraising Freedom, you may have come across a few pages in the book that was called The Power of Money. For those of you who have a copy of the book, you can actually go to it. It's on page 103. But I talk specifically about our relationship with money. And that is what I want to dive in to today. So many of you guys, I mean, we all have a relationship with money. Some of us have had really good experiences with money. Some of us, not so much. And so I'm just going to share a few stories, share with you a few ideas today that you can really just think about and, and figure out whether or not some of this stuff might be holding you back. So first of all, I'll just share a little bit about my upbringing. So I'm the youngest of seven and we all have the, we all have names starting with the letter M. So, so yeah, we, my mom was really, she was sticking to the theme, but with seven kids and, you know, if you guys have read my book, I talk about my older brothers and sisters who were in college and they were really a catalyst into my fundraising because, you know, I just, I, I just enjoyed spending time with them and any chance I could, you know, just spend time with my, my family of any sort, it was, it was a win for me. And so having such a large family, I was never really alone. And that was really incredible. I never thought much about the things that we had because I valued time so much. And you probably can see that in a lot of what I do. I value quality time. That is my absolute, that is my love language, just so you know. <laughs> but, and that's why I love spending time with you here on the podcast because I, I do value that so much. And so I never really thought about stuff a whole lot when I was younger. I had a lot of hand-me-downs and my family, you know, there was just plenty of kids. So everything was secondhand stuff. And that was always great. And we always had food on the table. There were really no complaints, but we did not live a wealthy, what I would consider, you know, American wealthy lifestyle. When we were, you know, in the second, when I was in the second grade, we moved, you know, across the state of North Dakota from Dickinson, North Dakota to Grand Forks, North Dakota. And that's really where so much of my life changed. We lived in this really great house when we were in Dickinson, the whole family was there. And then all of a sudden the kids all started going off to college. And so we then picked up and moved to the same college town that all my older brothers and sisters were going to. And so now instead of living in a house, my mom and dad decided that they were going to rent a two bedroom apartment. So we then instantly went from having this nice big house to then living in this small apartment complex. And I was sharing a bunk bed with my sister. And as much as I love my sister, that was probably the worst thing for our relationship because now all of a sudden we're crammed into this two bedroom apartment and the four of us are on top of each other, right? But more importantly, I just, I saw how my friends lived and, you know, they had the the nice big houses, you know, my best friend, ugh, love her, love, love, love her. But, you know, she had, you know, the pool and the convertible and all the stuff that I so wanted. And by the way, it's kind of like 
an incredible thing now in my life as I reflect back is that so much of those things are in my life now because I, I just, I never wanted to live in that state of poverty again. And so I really look to those friends that I had back then as an outlet to see that, hey, other people live a different way and there's a possibility for me to live a different way as well. And so, you know, I was really embarrassed that we lived in an apartment. I never wanted my friends to come over, although they were happy to come over to my place, you know, to our apartment. But I just always felt like it was better if we just spent time at their place and if we drove around in their cars and, you know, just were in their their circle because I just didn't want to spend that much time in mine. And it felt like, you know, much of it was just this poverty versus abundance. And I wanted to be around people who are living this abundant lifestyle. So my dad, although he is the catalyst to what I do today, the most charitable person that I know, he was also an extremely frugal man. And so frugality was everywhere. I mean, if he could, if he could fix the car, if he could piece it together, he would keep that car for as long as possible until the wheels were falling off. We drove the worst clunkers, you could ever find. And he was always just so proud of the fact that he could turn something that might've been worthless to somebody else into a usable thing. And that was great. And it's such a quality that I, you know, appreciate in him. But at the same time, I just remember as a kid spending so much time just begging him. I mean, I would look through the newspaper. This is serious. I would look through the newspaper to see what houses were for sale. Cause that's how people sold houses back in the day. You know, and so looking through it to see which, you know, what houses were available and how much they were charging and what their rent was and how close that was to ours. And could we possibly move out of this apartment and move into maybe even a townhome or something like they built these beautiful townhomes like a block away from this, from our apartment. And I just, I begged him when they were building this townhome, I wanted it. I wanted to live there so bad because I was like, just something that was better than this apartment. And I understood where my dad was coming from, you know, he, I believe that they were paying $250 for rent and he was able to cover a lot of that because he worked for the company. So I don't know how much they actually paid for rent, but it was very minimal. And so by comparison, anything else seemed just astronomical and not even going to happen. So by the time I graduated from high school and I, you know, really was moving into figuring out what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do with my life, it was so important for me that money never stopped me. You know, I was, I would get the scholarships. I would work the, you know, job at Sears. I would sell the most. I would, you know, money was always something that was a part of, you know, my life, obviously, and yours as well. And so as you think back, just like I have on my money relationship, I just never wanted to feel without, or I never wanted to feel that lack and scarcity again, which drives me so much in what I do when it comes to fundraising is that I'm like, I don't want any charity to feel that lack and scarcity. I don't want you to feel like you can't keep your doors open or do the work that you've been called to do. And many of you are founders of your ministry, your organization, and some of you are working for another organization. So there, there's a different relationship that's happening there with your money. And so I, I want you to be able to see that when it comes to your own personal finances and the finances of your organization, there is all of these preconceived notions, all these things about your childhood 
Trust me, they all come up in your fundraising efforts. They do, because if you are afraid of asking for money, if you feel a little bit shy around asking for money, I bet you can correlate that back to something in your in your history, in your background, in your childhood, and start to see, why do I have such a problem with asking for money? Or why do I feel like I'm trying to take something from someone that they don't want to give it to us? And so I want to reframe your fundraising. I want to re frame your mindset around money today. I want you to start looking at money in a completely new light. Now, in my book, I talk a lot about, you know, just I followed Dave Ramsey for several years and you know, Dave Ramsey is really kind of the go-to when it comes to paying off debt and finding financial freedom, especially in the churches. And, you know, he, there was just this one, and I was listening to CDs back in the day when Financial Peace University was just a, a DVD series or a, a CD series. So I just put it in my, in my Ford Focus and I would listen to those CDs every single day driving to and from work. And one of the CDs just, oh my gosh, it just blew my mind because it, it's so resonated with me because here I was, when I graduated from college, I went right into, you know, I I did a few months of radio sales, but then I started working for Special Olympics, you know, and I started working as an administrative assistant at Special Olympics. So when I started there, I was responsible for paying the bills right? So I was responsible for just whatever bills came in. I was, I had to go make sure that all of those were taken care of. I never thought twice about spending their money. All I was doing, it was a transaction. There was no emotional connection to that money. And I didn't ever say, oh, should we really be spending that much on this? Or maybe, you know, and of course I was, you know, brought up to be very frugal. So if I could get the item donated, like if I could get an in-kind donation, I was going to do that at every turn. I was going to say, you know, hey, maybe we could look at this and look at that. But for the most part, I'd say when I was an admin, my intention was just doing my job and fulfilling what my boss asked me to do, which was pay the bills. Okay. So Dave Ramsey, when he was sharing this, I, you know, he was talking about how there's just this a moral value to money that it's just a thing. You know, sometimes we we use money to go buy stuff and just like when we built our house, you know, we bought a lot of stuff. That money paid for, you know, windows and you know, doors and all the different things that went into our house and that was just money in exchange for things. And there was no emotional connection to that money in any way when it came to the the stuff. Like when I look at my window in my office, I don't think, "Oh, that window it costs X dollars and that emotionally wells up in my, you know, it, it, it doesn't give me that kind of emotion, you know, but when you start to think about how we treat money and how we scrimp and save and how we're, you know, so tight in certain areas of our lives and so like, you know, flexible and willing to spend willy nilly in other areas of our lives, it's just so interesting to me that we get caught up in this emotional, you know, roller coaster where sometimes it's a high and sometimes a low. And so I just want to, want to really get you to start thinking about money in a different way. And so what happened when I was listening to that DVD or that CD about the amoral value, he he correlated, you know, that that money just like instead of a dollar bill in your hand, it's a brick right? And so that brick still builds the building. The dollar bill still builds the building, you know, but it's just a brick. It's just a dollar bill, but we give it, you know, this emotional 
currency, right? That it's like, if you had lack, if you didn't have very much of it when you were younger, then you kind of hold your fist a little bit tighter to it. And if you had more, you're, you're more willing to kind of just keep your, your, you know, hand open and you spend probably more than you should. And so, and everybody, there's the spender and saver in all of us. There are times where I'm like, Hey, spend away. Let's have a good time. We're on vacation. Let's, let's, you know, enjoy what we have. And then there's other times where I'm like, Oh my gosh, we don't have any money for that. We can't do this. We can't do that. You know, so I know that there's different seasons in our lives where we feel a little bit more on the one side versus the other. But as you guys manage your organization's funds, and as you are asking people to give their money, I want you to start to think about it, you know, in a different way. Okay. So I've been reading this book. It's called Happy Money. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it, but the guy who wrote it is from Japan. His name is Ken Honda. And his book is like, I mean, it's it's beautiful. And I don't know how many of you guys, you know, followed the, the Netflix series with Marie Kondo. She had the Netflix series that was called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. And then she wrote the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And so I don't know what they're doing in Japan, but clearly they're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> so they put out these two, you know, best-selling books just from these two individuals. But Happy Money was really interesting to me because I never think about money as being happy or sad or happy or unhappy. And same thing with Marie Kondo. She has the ability to, to basically look at things and stuff. And her whole deal is on organizing and, you know, decluttering your space, your home. And in, in both scenarios, both with Ken and with Marie, they both have focused on this idea of gratitude. And you guys know that you can't be happy and sad at the same time. You can't be, you know, grateful and not grateful at the same time. There's just, we can only feel one emotion at a time. And so if you start to flip the switch a little bit, and this is what I'm I'm doing, <laughs> is that just in my everyday life, just flipping the switch on looking at money in just a completely different way. And instead of feeling like you don't have enough of it or that it's it's just never been so good good to you because it just doesn't come, you know, as frequently as you'd like it to. Like we want our donations to come in more frequently, right? Like we want to see checks just showing up at the doorstep and we want to look at our online bank account and see that the money is just flowing, right? But what he teaches and I, ah, oh, I just love it. Okay. So he has a quote and he said it actually on an interview I was listening to. So Ken says, this is the statement. I think it came from a family member that he mentioned. He said, money, 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 go out and bring back your friends. So when he pays a bill or when he sends money out, it's this whole idea that money, you want it to go. Like you want, you're thankful, you're grateful for what it has done and what it allows you to do. So it's, I like that idea though, that money, 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 go out and bring back your friends. <laughs> so, so he kind of talks more like, Hey, money is, you know, just the fact that you like it, it likes you and you guys do do life together instead of it being this competition and this fight. I mean, I'm sure you can see this in your own life is that there's been times where you've had that lack and that feeling of not being able to pay your bills. And so then all of a sudden you have this weird, toxic relationship with money when it never, you know, clearly to this day, you're still here, you're still eating, you're still provided for. So somewhere along the line, it still showed up for you. Somebody provided for you in some way, shape or form when you were maybe in a position where you didn't have very much. 
And the same thing for your cause. People want to give. It's happy money. Okay, so think about this for a second. As you think about the charitable donations that are coming into your cause, how much of that money is happy and how much of it is unhappy or sad? And if you're getting a lot of donations from people who are like, oh, I just need a tax write-off and it's just like, I'm just going to dump some money over here, you might actually feel like that that's pretty sad money. Like we, we don't want to just be an afterthought or an organization that, oh yeah, we could be a tax deductible write-off for you. It, that may feel like very unhappy to you. But then you've got the person who gives to your charity who's like, oh my gosh, like we just got a, a raise. I just got an inheritance. And it is such a joy for me to be able able to give this donation to you, for me to be able to spread the joy and the excitement of what's happening in my life and spread that joy into your cause. And I hear from people all the time about how somebody sent them a donation, you know, and, and it just kind of, it came out of the blue. It wasn't something that they were expecting. And the immediate response was happiness. It was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that they just wrote us this check. And all of a sudden, you're just so happy and you can't help but reach back out to them and say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like, what happened? What's going on? You know, where did this donation come from? And you're genuinely interested in hearing the story and why they chose to give to you. And I know that the larger the organization, the less likely you're going to feel the same happiness because you're like, oh my gosh, like that that same gift, let's just say it's $10,000. Let's say that $10,000 gift came in, but you're so behind behind on your bills, that that $10,000 gift doesn't even feel happy. It feels like, oh my gosh, that just got us above water. And now we're, we're like still flailing around trying to figure this out. So you just gave that donor kind of a sad experience because you didn't get to receive it in the same way. So as you're thinking through the year end support that you're raising or, you know, looking at your budget for 2021, I just want you to start thinking about how can we create a happy experience for our donors? How can we create a happier experience for us as the person who's making the ask and the person who's inviting people to serve and give to our organization? So you can see where you might be creating an environment of lack and scarcity where people aren't necessarily attracted to your cause and attracted to you because there's such desperation, there's such anxiety and lack and just that feeling of deprivation all the time. No Nobody wants to give to that. And I know I, I do talk about that frequently because it, it's we want to be a part of something that's winning. That's just how we're all hardwired is we want to see something that's, you know, has progress potential and that you're promising something, a, a change for the future. And people want to feel like my dollars are actually making an impact and we're, we're doing something to make a difference. So if you're in the current place where everything feels very, you know, scarcity minded, I want you to start thinking about the upcoming year and how you can start making some shifts in that so that you're ready to receive donations. Now, I want to share just real quick how I did this in my own personal life, how I've started to make this shift just in my own personal finances, because I know you guys are, you know, I mean, you're in the same position I'm in, you know, where you have the ability to give to a charity, you have the ability, you know, to buy gifts as we gear up for the holiday season. And so when, when you're gift giving and when you're out shopping and you're buying stuff, I want you to start thinking about this in a new way. And here's what I have done. And just this last weekend, you know, so yesterday I went shopping and I bought some products at a beauty store. 
So it was just, you know, makeup and, you know, just regular stuff that you might buy at a store. And all of a sudden I started to think about how, how many people it took for those products to show up on the shelf. And I've never thought about that before. (laughs) Never. Right. Like I just go to the store, I buy my stuff and then I go home. Like you go to the grocery store. Yep. You see all this stuff on the shelves and you just consume, 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 and you don't really think about it. And so many of us are using credit cards. So now your credit card goes in the machine and there's just no emotional connection. And I know a lot of people switch over to cash because they feel that emotional connection to cash versus that plastic. But regardless, it doesn't really matter. But the thing is, is that as you're buying those groceries or as you're buying that product, just stop for a moment. Okay. This is, it was huge for me that I was, I, for a moment, I just was like, oh my gosh, this person who's at the register, I got to help by my purchase today. I got to help employ him and the people who are, you know, stocking the shelves. I got to help support them and the companies that, that made the products, like how innovative, how great is it that somebody somewhere had an idea and they created this product that is now a part of my everyday life to the point where I don't even really think about it. And so as I was starting to reflect on all these, like how my money makes me happy that I just, I got to spend it on these products that ultimately got to help other people's lives and allow them to be creative and try new things. And, and who knows what that clerk at the store, what his aspirations are, you know, is he trying to move up into management? Is he wanting to start his own product line at some point? You know, you never know what's going on behind the scenes, but I just think about the happiness that comes when we get to be a part of other people's lives. And I drilled this down even further. I was like, then I was thinking about the credit card, you know, the card that I had that I was using and how the software that it took and the fact that, you know, the, the chip reader that's on the card now, and you put it in the machine and all their systems are all tied together. And there were all these amazing, incredible people who worked on that stuff. Like that's crazy, you know? And so you, you drill everything down and then I'm like, oh, what about the people who, you know, drove the trucks that got the product from, you know, the warehouse to the store and, and the people who built the building and put the signage and decided what to call this business, you know, like, I mean, it was just like so many different layers of happiness that came into play there. And I just think about when people give to your charity and when you give to charity, think about the joy, think about the happiness that comes when you get to give to that cause. I mean, pure joy, right? Like when you're actually aligned with a cause that matters to you and you feel like it just, it says something about you and by you financially giving to that, it just comes back full circle. And so I think that sometimes we forget that when we ask somebody to give to our cause, there is joy. There's really great excitement and happiness for them to be able to give to our cause, but we have to create that environment so that they really do feel happy about every single donation that they give to your cause, that they never once question, do are they doing what they say that they're going to do? Are they actually appreciative of our partnership? And I'm sure that you've been in this place. I've been in it many times where a donor doesn't feel very appreciated and they're verbal about it. They make sure 
that I know that they didn't feel, they didn't feel recognized, that they didn't feel thanked enough. And I'm sure you've been in this place before too. And it just always feels like, well, why did they give in the first place? If they were giving to get recognition or they were, you know, giving so that they could be, you know, given that thank you card or whatever they were expecting. And it kind of just made me upset about it because I was like, you know, what can I do? It's like, it's just never good enough. But when you start to do the the ideas that we share inside of this podcast and that I share in my book and the other, you know, things that I do, what I'm trying to get you to see here is that that relationship is so important so that when you you understand those people, they understand you better. And so it's just, it creates a happier environment for everybody to be involved. And so I know that this is a little bit outside of the box to like be happy about money or to be happy about your things like Marie Kondo says, but there's something about the mental, you know, side of, of money and that mindset that we have around money. And so I mentioned before that a lot of people feel guilty. A lot of people are, you know, feel a little bit shy, but there's also one area that I think a lot of people miss out on and what holds them back when it comes to asking for money. And it, it comes back to the fact that we want to be liked. And if, if for some reason that doesn't align, you know, that when you're asking somebody to give and, and there, it somehow could be, you, you could be seen as though you're too forward or that you're aggressive or any of that kind of stuff, it doesn't fall in line with who we are. And so I I just want you to start thinking about that relationship with money is that I have never felt that I was not liked because I was asking for money. It was, it was always because I was trying to help the greater good and the greater picture. So I always came in with confidence. I always made sure that people understood that they could say no, and that wasn't going to upset me. It wasn't, wasn't going to change our relationship. But if you are coming at this and approaching this with a scarcity mindset that, you know, there's not enough money and we're in a bind and this is a struggle, the person on the other side is going to look at you in a different light. And, and with, you know, that doesn't surprise, shouldn't surprise any of us. That desperation just, it, it oozes out of every pore when, when you're in that state. And so I just want today for you guys to really be thinking about this and to be thinking about how can I present my cause, present the opportunities to give to the work that we're doing in such a happy and positive way that people can't help but notice that there's something different about you. There's something different about giving to this organization. And it's it's, it, it all comes back to the fact that there's such joy and being in partnership together that the relationship that you guys have together is really, it's changing lives and it's making a huge difference. So my big takeaway for you guys today is really just to spend a little bit of time in reflection. You know, as we gear up for the year end, it's so easy to get bogged down with just stress and just the, the busyness of the season. And as you're moving into these, you know, the next few weeks and the next month, I just want you to stop for a moment, maybe bust out a journal, (laughs) you know, a sheet of paper and just jot down some of your money, you know, history and maybe think a little bit about how you can have a new relationship with money around happiness and around gratitude. 
and see if you can't just kind of kick that into your day-to-day life in a new way as you wrap up the year end. So I adore each and every one of you guys. I, I have such gratitude and such happiness around each and every one of you who listens. I, I know you, <laughs> I am you, right? Been through the same you know highs and lows that you're going through. I know that raising funds is, is quite the journey, right? Sometimes it's awesome and sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, do I have to do this today? <laughs> you know, like, do I have to pick up the phone? So there's, I get it. I get that it's not always perfect, but there's something about the fact that we understand each other, we get each other and we get to do this together. So thank you. I, I just really genuinely want to thank you for letting me into your, your earbuds, into your car, into your whatever space that you're listening to this in that you invite me in and let me share a little bit about my fundraising and my life, like today, sharing a little bit about my upbringing, but to be able to just kind of ask you a few questions that I'll stir in your heart a little bit of a, a different way, a different approach of raising funds and just really having just a peace in life. Because I think that we're in a season now where everything is so chaotic that we have to we have to create that calm in our own lives and that sense, a little sense of control around our day-to-day activities. And we can totally shift our emotions around money. We can shift our emotions around how we connect with other people and really look at this in a happy, positive way. So, all right, guys, if you need additional help, if you're in a season of your work where you're like, hey, we've just kind of hit a roadblock on some of this stuff, please reach out to me. I would love to have a conversation with you, love to be able to help however I can. So jump onto maryvaloney.com and click that let's connect and, and just fill out. I have, it's less than 10 questions asking about your cause. And if there's some way that I can help, we'll schedule a, a brief call for us to get together and just chat more about it. So be sure to jump over to maryvaloney.com. And if you guys need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. Okay. All right. We will see you soon. Hope you guys have a great week. Let's go change the world. One volunteer and $1 at a time. 